Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So Vic, do you think you might have ADHD? Well, listeners keep emailing me telling me that they think I do. So probably. Mind you, listeners also email us saying we talk too much about your mum's feet. So what do they know? Yeah, fair enough. I honestly had no idea about the connection between overdrinking and ADHD until we started this podcast. About 40% of people that have had any sort of drinking issues also apparently have ADHD. Whenever we chat to ex-drinkers, this comes up more than you'd believe. If you have ADHD or suspect you might or just want to learn about this link, then we would encourage you to check out the I Have ADHD podcast. It's the place where adults with ADHD find research-based information, validation and tons of support. This is the best way to feel less alone and hear some of the answers to the questions you've been sitting with for too long. You'll hear detailed descriptions of what it means to have ADHD and enjoy interviews with the foremost experts in the industry so that you don't have to read those ADHD books that are collecting dust on your shelf. Yeah. Listen to the I Have ADHD podcast and learn how ADHD affects every aspect of your life. From the boardroom to the bedroom. In the podcast, you'll also hear about their ADHD coaching programme, which is called Focused. Focused is made up of three pillars, courses, coaching and community. It is designed to help you build your own self-improvement programme and is perfect for the ADHD brain. And you can get $50 off the course just by using the code SOBER, S-O-B-E-R. So if you're tired of feeling stuck and don't know where to start, listen to the I Have ADHD podcast. The kettle's boiled, Vic. Great. Perfect timing. Just a dash of milk for me, please, mate. Here you go. Shall we get started, then? Have you ever woken up on a Sunday morning and said, I'm never drinking again, and then found yourself waving 50 bucks at a barman by happy hour? Are you wondering why everyone else can stop at one, while you head to a dodgy after-party with a weird bloke called Disco Dave? If so, it might be time to take a deeper look at your relationship with your reliable social crutch, alcohol. On each episode, we'll investigate our own dysfunctional dealings with booze and find out if it's possible to stop this deeply ingrained habit before things get too messy. Yep, we're going to open up a shame shed of humiliating drinking stories to help you understand why waking up from a booze coma each weekend with a kebab sticking out of your top pocket might actually be negatively impacting your health. Hamish and I are here to delve into what it's like being sober, an unwanted warts and all look into why giving up those cheeky pints or putting down those mummy wines will make you feel happier, help your anxiety and mental health and turn you into the most sparkly authentic version of you. Won't that mean I become boring though, Vic? Well, Hamish, we'll just have to wait and see. I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Hamish Adams-Cairns. And this is Sober Awkward. Don't worry, Lucy, if you burp or fart or anything, I'll take it out. Oh, it's a bloody plane going over. Can you hear it? Oh, God. Yes, wait for that. Yeah, but if you go wrong, I'll just edit it out, so don't worry oh, about oh, it. That's all right. So I don't have to be too careful about what I say this time. No, you don't. I can I can edit you. It's all good. <laughs> oh, I see you've dressed up for the occasion. <laughs> 
What are you wearing? Well, you can talk. You're wearing your school cardigan from 1982. <laughs> I think it's retro. Come it, on. I'm not Come sure. On. Listen, it is winter on the Sunshine Coast, um, so it is the only opportunity I have to wear a light up. cardigan. <laughs> I love a light cardi. Oh, God. This is not selling sobriety right here. Talk, <laughs> cardi talk. <laughs> She's got on some black Adidas tr- tracksuit bottoms, a green top. The green top's quite nice, Lucy, but it's just, it's not a good combo. Yeah, says so she, sitting there in a, <laughs> wow. I, I, I got do, some where weird do I ethnic garb. <laughs> Travel garb. Oh dear. Oh, we should start then, shouldn't we? Like, let's let's start. Yeah, right, let's go. Alan was just telling me how excited he is to have you back in the studio. So it took you months to get rid of her, and you've just let her back in. She better have something interesting to say. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah, thank you. Good to see you're uh, going up in the world yeah. with not only with your dresses but also with your podcast location. Yeah, little bit worried about the old pissy mattress because mm. I seem to remember there being one in the last studio. Is that is that sort of a compulsory requirement of the sober awkward podcast? You have yeah. to have a pissy mattress. Yeah, the pissy mattress mattresses change, and I have to have one nearby. I've got used <laughs> to the stench. <laughs> I feel quite comfortable. Yeah, with it's it. comforting. It's a comforting <laughs> yeah, smell, it isn't is. it? Maybe it's all those uh, all those years of waking up and pissed yourself in the yeah. night when you've been drinking. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> it's a kind of yeah, flash gives me nice flat, warm flashbacks. <laughs> I can't believe you're here. Why did you want to re-enter the world of awkward again, Lucy? Was there something you needed to get out? I came to the live podcast that you and Hamish did, which yes. was. Excellent. Yes. I have to say. And the lights were really bright that night, which I was really worried about, but I could see both your shining faces smiling up at me and it did give me a lot of confidence. So I appreciate both that. Of them had you had a drink. Yeah. You see double. <laughs> <laughs> you and your daughter, you knob. Both your faces. Uh, yeah, look, um, well, that was quite a game changer for me coming to watch that because obviously I'd been following the podcast and always catching up with Vic and uh, socially. So I knew how it was all going, but coming along to the live one really reminded me what it was all about and um, how much it helped people. I mean, you had a full house, didn't you? Yeah, it we had a full house. Really good we evening. sold out within two weeks, so we're going to do bigger venues coming up, so stay tuned for that. Yeah, well, it was excellent, and um, Hamish sort of stood up and talked a bit about the podcast, and he said the reason he was there was because I'd said everything I had to say about sobriety, which is exactly the reason that I had um, stopped talking on the podcast, and I didn't want sobriety to define me. But it was also relevant because, yes, I had said everything I wanted to say on the podcast, but now I've got a little bit more. Hooray, <laughs> we're so excited. I just realised the value of sharing. Uh, quite a few people came up to me that night and thanked me for sharing my story and saying how they resonated. Uh, <clears throat> Pass the bucket. With me. Um, and, you know, you suddenly think, oh, God, I was actually doing some good. And I wonder if by sharing stories about sober dating, I can help other people. I'm sure I can. I'm sure there's lots of sober people out there who are hesitant to date. But the other reason I wanted to just put it out there Vic is that um, as you said I brought my daughter along my 17 year old daughter to that live session and I thought she might find it a bit boring and she was sort of wriggling around in her seat while you were talking but when it finished she was she just said it blew her mind and she went off straight away to phone her sister who's now living in the UK to tell her all about it 
she started listening to the podcast, as has her friends at school. One of her schoolmates came around and said, love the podcast, Lucy. <laughs> Funny, isn't it? But more importantly than that, the Saturday night after the live recording, she came home from a party early. And she said, the reason I've come home is after listening to the podcast. She said, me and my mates were just sitting on a curb at 11 o'clock at night. One of them was really drunk and argumentative, had made the other one cry. And she just thought, what am I doing here? And she came home and she said, I wouldn't have done it if I hadn't listened to the podcast. So I realised the power behind it. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. I'm chuffed to hear that, actually, Mm. because to know that somebody of her age can tune into this message as well. I mean, there's nothing better. That is preventative medicine right there, isn't it? Well, it is. And as you know, I've been nagging at you and I'll continue to do so because I think you need to spread this word, this message to younger kids, uh, teenagers who are starting to drink because you're obviously going in at the right angle because she she loves Loved it. I'm not sure the 17 year old kids want to know about my promiscuity. Well, they, <laughs> my blow yeah. my finger off. And... They'll just look at your story and think, I don't want to end up like her. <laughs> yeah. That's basically <laughs> the reason for my existence on earth, isn't it? People... Don't be like her. <laughs> She's a right old mess. Oh, God. So good. So, what's the reason why you're here then, Lucy Lou? Uh, Well, today I want to have a chat with Vic about getting back out there. As you all know, I became the sober hermit when I gave up drinking. But recently, I've taken the world by the balls, quite literally, and I've joined Tinder. I know, listeners, I'm in shock too. The sober introvert that Lucy discovered when she gave up her social crutch has left the confines of her cave and has stepped out of her comfort zone and is learning to date without daiquiris. Sorry, that was the only D booze that I could come up with. I can't think of any other ones. I can't think of any other. It's because we've been out of the booze scene too long. (laughs) I would have listed them a few years ago. We don't know our booze alphabet as well as we used to. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, I'm here to tell you all about my sober Tinder adventures. I am so excited about this, Lucy. Let's not tell Hamish you're here, though. He might get jealous because I know how much he loves you. Yeah, let's just keep it between us. He's in the UK, isn't he? Yes, he's he's on holiday. He'll never know. He'll never know. I want to start with some hats. Hamish makes me do it, Lucy. He's very mean to me. I'm going to use this episode to like be mean about (laughs) Hamish because he's not here. Stats. Yawn, yawn. Yawn, duh, (laughs) Hamish. (laughs) According to a survey of just over a thousand Australians in September last year from dating at Bumble, almost one in five people don't want to drink on dates after lockdown, with about three quarters believing sober dating leads to better connections. Pre-COVID, though, going for a drink was often the automatic first suggestion for a date. However, with bars and pubs closed for months on end, walking, coffee and park dates became standard. Bumble now offers a badge that you can add to your profile, indicating your preference for sober dating. On Hinge, you can share how regularly you drink. In the past year, 6% of Australian users selected the sober option. Oh, God. <laughs> Have you had too many daiquiris? Yeah. In the past year, 6% of Australian users selected the sober option. So things are changing and we want to discover what Lucy has learned and why is it better to date sober. Yeah, I'll just add in there, since I'm such a pro on all of these apps now, that um, Tinder and nearly all of them, I think, have the sober thing on them now. That's great. Yeah. Um, So, Vic, I know you used to worry about me staying in when I first got sober. Yeah. Well, (laughs) the two and a half years Well, yeah, for a long time I was worried about you. (laughs) Why was it that you were so worried? I used to wake up in a hot sweat worried about you sometimes. (laughs) If you didn't answer my phone, I'd be like, oh, my God, she's drinking again. She's drinking again. It it must be even worse now I'm dating. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it's true. I was just worried about your isolation. And I know that that can lead to relapse. That is very common. If people are lonely or they're staying in too much, then there's nothing to stop them drinking again. I think sobriety is all about doing the things you used to do and still living your life. And I was concerned that you were missing out a little bit because you just weren't getting yourself out there. But I didn't want to say this to you because I think you needed to go through it. You needed to kind of work out, have that time to yourself before you got the courage to go out and start dating. But you did lock yourself away a little bit too much, Lucy. <laughs> but really, mostly I was stressed that the boredom and missing your old life would get you thinking about drinking did you think about drinking in those two and a half years well of course I did certainly at the beginning yeah yeah and I was doing this podcast as well yeah. so you know I was, I was talking about it to everybody I, I was actually following you you didn't know <laughs> I was like a secret stalker if you that car that was parked outside your bedroom window for, the, for that two and a half years it was me with some binoculars <laughs> I thought yeah. it was my paranoia creeping in. No, it was me. <laughs> um, look, I, I think it's important to note that I am an introvert anyway. I was an introverted drinker and, and that's who I am as a, a person. So um, staying at home was quite a normal thing for me. Yes, it did get worse when I stopped drinking. But for me, home was a safe place and it was a place that was free from alcohol and free from any of the urges to drink. So I, I didn't worry about it. It was the outside world and the people in it that that were a threat to my drinking. Especially that one that was sat outside your bedroom window. Yeah, yeah. That, that was the reason I didn't go out. Hello? <laughs> I was like, there's someone out there. Hello, it's me. <laughs> I was just calling doing crank calls. Uh, hello, <laughs> my name is Norman. I was just wondering if you were planning on going out tonight. And you wonder why I didn't go out. Yeah. <laughs> it was all your fault. Um, I was aware, certainly, probably coming into year two, that I was sort of cheating sobriety because I wasn't living normally while I was sober and it wasn't sustainable. And that's yeah. really what this whole podcast is about. It's an, it's not about forcing people to be sober um, and it's not necessarily about giving people 100 tips to be sober. It's about saying... We want you to be sober and to, to, to go through the awkwardness and to live a really good life yeah. in sobriety. And I realised I actually wasn't doing that. I was very happy with my life, yep. but it was very, very, I was going to say dull because it, it wasn't dull. It was very cleansed, very clean, very yep. regimented, very normal. I am someone who does like a bit of excitement. Yeah. Um, and I was getting to the point where I was missing that. It just wasn't sustainable you staying in like that. That's I think that's exactly what I was worried about. I was like, this is not sustainable. She cannot stay in forever and hide. <laughs> she can't. She's got to get back out there at some stage. And I just didn't know whether it was going to happen or not. But I think, as you said, like maybe you needed that time to work up to this, to what you're doing now, which I think is amazing. So you went to England, I remember, and you saw some friends, you went out and you went to the ABBA concert, which was amazing. And you started to crave a bit of a social life again. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I did. Well, I, I went travelling with um, my two daughters, uh, 17 and 19, and my elder daughter's boyfriend. So it was myself and three teens. And we went across America. We did New York, LA, Hawaii. We did London. But yeah, during that time, of course, you have to get out. You can't stay in your Airbnb the whole time. You've got no. to go out and enjoy life. And there were things to do in New York uh, where lots of people were drinking, restaurants where people, you know, the wait staff would get up and start singing Broadway. Amazing. And some of the biggest Christmas drag shows 
shows in London and my, my family were drinking and I wasn't. So that was something that really put me out of my comfort zone and things that I would never have done while I was here in my house in Australia. So yeah, it did get me thinking and it made me realise I can do this. You know, some of it was a little bit hard, but mostly it was really enjoyable going out and doing all of these things when I was sober. But something did happen in the UK that really made me think. Um, I was staying at my cousin's house and we just had the most amazing time there. And a couple of nights before Christmas, she invited some of her friends over for a bit of a get together. And I just couldn't face it. I couldn't face that size of group. Mm. It was probably a group of about 15 people. Um, so it wasn't small enough to be easy, but it wasn't large enough to be easy. And I couldn't face it. We were, <laughs> we were staying in the loft and I had to retreat to the loft and not join in. And I felt terrible and yeah. I still do to this day. I don't know what her friends must think of me, but I just got to the point where I couldn't face it. Is it because you were scared of the sort of inane chat like the where are you from who are you how do you know the host that sort of thing yeah it just all felt too hard yeah I mean sober socializing can be very very exhausting um, going to an ABBA concert where there's loud music everyone's dancing you're not put on the kids. spot so much yeah, are you? yeah, yeah but I know that's what you mean smaller size of group and you know and I felt really rude for not doing that and also I was really aware this isn't right mm. yeah I should be able to do this I'm staying in my cousin is one of my closest friends and she had her closest friends around. I really wanted to get to know them more. I'm sure they wanted to get to know me and I retreated like I, just, a, I retreated like a troll into the, into the I attic. Think, I just think of the people at the party. Oh, where's your, where's your cousin Lucy? Oh, she's up in the loft. <laughs> that is exactly what happened. Vic. And it's something like that where you're like, you know, I really need to change this. I need, <laughs> something's going wrong here. They're like, what's that noise? Oh, it's Lucy. She's lowering the ladder. <laughs> I was hiding behind the couch in the loft, <laughs> quivering, <laughs> shaking until oh, everybody God. left. <laughs> it was that experience of, yes, getting out and enjoying life, sober. The experience of not being able to join in in something that was really important, sober. But also I had always said that I was going to start dating when I came back from our travels. And everyone was saying to me, my kids included, it's time, mum. You need to get out and you need to meet someone. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's why I ended up doing it. Very brave. What was it like at first? Bloody awful. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the message we want to give. And that's the end of the yeah. podcast. Ta -da. Not saying anything else. Uh, no, I'm going to be honest. I loved it at first. Right. I really did. When you don't go out very much, and I'm not the only person who doesn't go out very much. Most parents, single parents, can't get out. Most middle-aged people, they don't go into bars and things like that. So having the ability to go onto an app and kind of shop for men... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite a novelty for yeah. me. And you know, Vic, because when I first went on it, I was so excited, wasn't I? I was like, oh, yeah, oh my very God, excited. Look, look how it works. I've met this person. I've met that person. And I loved it. Um, I felt really together. I had loads of clarity because I wasn't hungover and I wasn't drinking. When you meet someone online, the first thing you do is you text them. I'm quite good at that part. I'm quite good at um, texting people and making a conversation. So they get your number, is that correct? No, no numbers are exchanged. Okay, so you text them on the app? Yes, on okay, the app. Right. Yeah, and I will, just as tip number one, a really important one, is don't give out your phone number. Because yeah. I did a couple of times and I learned the hard way that people will stalk you through your phone number. And you want to have control over what people can see about you. I wouldn't mind a couple of stalkers. Well, honestly. <laughs> you can have some of mine okay thank you <laughs> a gift 
Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll head them over your way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's, there's a married woman who wants a stalker. <laughs> but yeah, so the texting was great. And that was a way to build up my confidence, talking to complete strangers behind a screen, having time to plan my response and think about it. So that's really great if you're coming from a place of sobriety where you haven't socialised very much. It's a really nice, gentle way to get back out there and start talking to people. Yeah, I suppose it's just kind of easing you into communicating with the opposite sex, isn't it? Because you haven't actually met anyone yet. You're just on the app. You're deciding if you think they're mm. good looking. I guess it is based upon that, isn't it, generally? It is, yeah. Whether you could find someone attractive is the first port of call and then to contact them in some way. Well, yeah, there's that and also the profile, what they write about themselves. Um, and you can tell a lot from that. I think we'll talk about that later when we talk about whether people are drinkers or not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, at that point um, of dating, I was really loving it. People were noticing the changes in me. It was like I'd come alive again. You're great. And, and my brother, who is in the UK, that's what he said. He said, you sound like you're alive. Mm. You haven't sounded like that for a long time. So there I was thinking I was this really cool, smug, sober, healthy person. I wasn't coming across as a very happy person because I'd locked myself away for so long. Yeah, you were missing out on on human connection, yes. which is what a lot of us strive yeah. of, especially me. I'm the same with friendship. Yeah. You know, I strive off good friendships. And for you, being a single mum, it's obvious that you're getting some attention for the first time. It's yeah. going to make you feel good. It does. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. How long did it take before you met someone? Any woman online will tell you that it doesn't take long to meet someone online. Right. So if you are a woman going to date online and you get loads and loads of responses, um, that's quite quite normal. Because I was like, oh my God, I'm really, really popular. Yeah. Look at me go. <laughs> and then I realised that most women do. And in fact, tip number two, I use the on incognito neato option on tinder uh, which they do have the same on bumble and hinge and most of the big apps but what that means is that unless i like someone no one can see me okay if you take off the incognito option you will get hounded okay. by anyone they will contact anyone and my friend actually had the incognito on her phone and her subscription ran out when she was on a flight on the way to sydney and when she landed she had like something like 178 <laughs> messages <laughs> <laughs> so yeah but also having incognito or whatever it might be called on the app you're on does give you a sense of privacy and I think you do want that you know I'd been tucked away in my house for ages I wasn't ready to be exposed to everybody and I didn't want yeah. my ex-husband to see me on there or his mates or yeah. people I'd worked with I felt uncomfortable it's about safety as well a lot of the time is, with this yeah. isn't it it's like this is a new way of dating and Dating can be risky, even in real life, without any online stuff. Like, yeah. It was very risky when I was young because I didn't know what <laughs> yes. I was doing. I was in a blackout. <laughs> so it's the same thing, isn't it? It's still risky online. And you've got to take caution. And the biggest thing you can do, another tip, is do it sober. Yeah. That's how you keep safe. Yeah, you take that consent mm. issue out of yeah. the equation. Yeah. But yeah, in answer to your question, Vic, I met someone, I think, within about the first week, physically met someone. Yeah, God, that's so brave. You were like, oh, he looks all right. I'm having him. I'm going to go for it. <laughs> I'm going to do this. Yeah. God, you're so... I really am impressed. Did you specify that you were looking for someone that didn't drink? I didn't. Um, like you were saying, there are options on the apps now where you can say that you're sober you can say you drink rarely special occasions only drink in the weekend only of course everyone probably lies um, <laughs> probably. you don't even have to answer it so it okay. doesn't even come up yeah um so i actually don't put anything about my drinking on there as far as i'm concerned it doesn't define me yeah. at all 
I do find it useful when I see other people have put it down. Um, if I see someone sober, I might be looking at someone's picture and thinking, they're all right, you know, oh, shall I swipe right or left? And then if I see they're sober, that's an immediate swipe right. So why don't you put it on there then? If that's an immediate swipe right for you, it probably is for a lot of the men on there as well. That's the thing with dating apps is it's all about people's interests and, and some of their habits. And that's how you're matched is by location, interests and habits, really. Those things, apart from location, are not really that relevant to me and someone that I date. I'm more interested in somebody who I fancy the pants off of. Who's and, funny. And, yeah, who's funny yeah. and who's got really good values. I don't mind dating a drinker as long as that drinker is not out of control and they understand where I'm coming from. Yeah. Um, I don't want my sobriety to define me. I also don't put on there that I'm English. But it's a huge test, that, isn't it? That that sobriety clip. You can instantly gauge someone. Mm. You know that if someone writes, I am sober, that they are self-conscious and that they care about themselves and that they've been through something. That one word gives you quite a lot of backstory, actually. It really does, but it also really narrows the net. Of course, um, right. I did meet up with one guy from eHarmony who... I was really interested in him because he was an ex-addict and he was had been working for 12 years in a rehab centre helping right. kids with drug addiction. Amazing. So he had a bit of grit to him, a bit of a story, and I was really interested to meet with him. He was saying that he did have some problems. He would be chatting to girls and then he'd tell them that he was sober. And one girl like just said, no, I'm not interested. She said, I love doing wine tours and mm. all of this stuff. I'm not interested in going out with someone who doesn't drink. So it can be a game changer for some people but I always like to get in there first you know, meet that person let them see who I am yeah. and then if they like me but they perhaps don't really like the idea that I'm sober the fact that they like me will outweigh the fact that I'm sober yeah. I want to put my best foot forward as a person yes. before they know about my drinking habits my sleeping habits yeah. um, how many cups of coffee I have in the morning yeah. and you know how many times I get in, up in the night to go to the toilet then <laughs> yeah but their reaction then once you've met them is another clincher isn't it because like if you haven't put it on your profile then you meet them wherever whenever then you say actually I'm sober their reaction to that is actually going to be something that you can judge to see whether you like yes. that person or not yeah often it comes out before you meet them because often they want to meet you for a drink okay of course yeah. okay so then the conversation comes up on the text yeah. um look I'd rather meet for a coffee or and they keep going on about having a drink and at first I was so nervous to tell people that I didn't drink I was terrified I thought I'm just going to put everyone off that's what I always think and that was what we talked about in our very first podcast Vic we talked about how we didn't believe people would like us when we were sober yeah, yeah I, they, don't. they don't no one likes me <laughs> no, one, no one likes us in the anymore. five years i've discovered everybody just leaving <laughs> one by one out of my life no but the reality is people do like us sober even though it's a surprise to us but it made me realize that after two and a half years i still believed i was unlikable sober because mm. i was too scared to tell people so i would tell people in the chat that I didn't drink. I wouldn't use the word I'm sober. I would say I didn't drink. I have to say not one person skipped a beat. Okay, In great. fact, if anything, people were more keen to meet up with me once I told them. Um, and I think that is because... You know, they don't want to meet up with a pisshead. There are a yeah. lot of middle-aged women pissheads out there. Yeah. Um, and they quite like the idea that I've got my act together and I don't drink. And sometimes there's a lot, yeah. a lot of drama involved with drinking. There is. And you can go on a date <laughs> yeah. with someone. It can get really messy and you can have too many and, like, you're tripping up curbs and being sick and dribbling mm. on someone. Like, it gets pretty messy and sometimes that's not an attractive look. I hate to say it, but I, I, I'm only saying that because I did it so much. I never 
went on dates because I just knew it wouldn't work. They were never going to like me at the end of it and I would never see them again. So I just didn't do it. Yeah, two interesting points from what you've just said. Number one is um, what the guys always put, like about about 80% of guys put on their profile, no drama. Drama, the <laughs> so drama. there you go. There yeah. you have it. They don't want the drama of it. Second point is years ago, I went on an online date, one online date while I was drinking and I did it because I was doing a, a free trial for eHarmony and writing oh, a review. You're forced into it. I went on this date and I had three glasses of wine and a Valium before I went. God. <laughs> that was the only way I could do it. By the time I got, I can't even remember it. Never heard from him again. Oh you know, what's the point of it? <laughs> did see a friend later on that evening. She said it looked like I'd taken some heroin. <laughs> God, not, like, not the best dating didn't hear look. from him again. I'm not surprised. <laughs> no, no date number two. Oh, damn it. <laughs> he could have been the one. <laughs> yeah, at the moment, on all the dates I've gone on, I probably could have got a second date with most of them. Right. Because I turned up sober, I turned up together. Yeah. You know, I probably looked fresh. Yeah. And people actually like that. They prefer that. Not like that. today. Not in, I do take this cardigan off. Okay, good. Usually in the say, car, like just before I meet them, yeah, the cardigan comes yeah. off. <laughs> if you want some advice, don't wear that cardigan on any dates. Thank you. So when they said that they wanted to meet you for a drink, I guess you always said no to that. Did you organise morning coffees and, instead? Yes, I did. Yeah, I used to say um, a, a coffee because I thought if I go, f- I could go in the evening. But then if you're not going to have a drink, they want to eat. Yeah. And I don't want all the variables oh, of going yes. out for dinner on a first day. And it can yeah. be a waste of time and money as well. Whereas a coffee can be a quick hour chat and then yeah. all, all done. You can't have spaghetti on a first day. Oh, or spinach. Can't have corn on the cob. Uh, what else? What else is messy food? Well, in fact, I tell you what, I did go on a first date. I went to a curry house and we oh. ate dinner. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I told the guys, I'm really, really nervous about this. And yeah. he was lovely. He was so nice. And he's actually someone I've stayed friends with. He was the first person I met on Tinder. <sighs> but going for a curry, though, did you have to undo the top of your trousers to let your gut <laughs> hang out? <laughs> No. That's what I have to do when I go for a curry. <laughs> Quietly under the table where Too he many nans. See. Just let a bit of <laughs> a bit of air out of the bottom of the hole to release some space. <laughs> Too many keema nans. <laughs> Going for a curry is not a good idea, actually. It was actually fine and it really helped me get me sort of out of my comfort zone. And I was lucky that he was, Got any he more was corn, a lovely is? guy. <laughs> But this this guy was really nice and he just drank water with me and he knew how nervous I was and he yeah. knew I didn't really want to go on the dinner, but he'd forced it. Mm. And I'm glad that he did because, you know, it was like another score on the scoreboard of, of getting out there. I've just seen just a one of your notes. It says donate blood. <laughs> I'm not, I, just, I had to pause for a second there because I'm like, what has that got to do with sober dating? Yeah, yeah. When I started to get into it, um, I was talking to this guy on Tinder and there was a picture of him with what looked like he was having his blood pressure taken. So I questioned him. Was that his profile picture? Well, no, it wasn't his profile. But I thought, why has he got, he looks like he's ill. He's a vampire. You know? Why has he put that on there? So I questioned him. He said, oh no, I'm, I'm having blood taken. And, uh, and he goes, well, perhaps I should take that picture off. Does it make me look like I'm ill? And I said, yeah, you probably should take that down. Yeah. Anyway, we started talking about giving blood and um and because we're from the UK, Vic, we couldn't give blood over here because of mad cow disease. That is so true. That is true. Lots of opportunities to have a joke there. Yeah. Um but 
yeah, now we can. And I didn't realise, and it was through the chat with this guy that he said, yeah, yeah, no, we can we can give blood now. So we did arrange to go on a first date to, to give blood. That is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. And and that was how confident I got. It turned out I couldn't give blood because I'd been in Thailand. Oh, okay. Um, and I had to wait another month or so. And mm. we didn't want to wait that long for our first date. But, you know, I was happy to go and, and yeah. donate blood on a first date. And, and when you give blood, you know, you have to answer quite a few personal questions. Right. together with you. Well, with I don't him. know whether it would have been together or not yeah. but you know the thought of even you know going on a date I mean yeah. when my very first date I went on I was so nervous my lips were shaking I mean I couldn't sleep the night before I couldn't sleep oh, I was gosh. so nervous awful it so was... when you don't sleep do you get anxiety I know I know we're the same in that yeah, way yeah. Like, if I haven't like last night when Lucy arrived I was like oh my god I haven't slept I just feel anxious all day and I just desperately want to go to sleep but then when I go to sleep I can't because I'm anxious exactly it's just this vicious circle I know we're similar like that well that's what I that's that's how I ended up when I was dating I mean you have to remember that I hadn't dated I hadn't sorry I hadn't socialized sober since I was 14 I'd Mm. used alcohol even with my close friends so this was huge going out with people I didn't even know um, and doing it sober so it was terrifying my lips were shaking my really good friend James uh, by the way James is single and he's very hot just he wanted me to mention that on this podcast he's training to be a counsellor and he would talk me through every day like I'd have my headphones in up until 30 seconds before I met the guy James would be talking me through it okay excellent you need someone like that a cheerleader he was excellent and then straight on the phone to him afterwards um, and he was really good because he was like look it doesn't matter about whether you like him or not the fact is you're getting out there and you're facing your fears and and that's a win yeah um so he was really good but yeah I mean I I couldn't sleep for about the first three weeks of dating to the point (laughs) where I had to go see the doctor oh no Lucy and I said to the doctor oh I I explained I had high level anxiety and I couldn't sleep and he was like has anything happened anything new in your life and I had to say I'm I'm online I've left my house for the first time in two and a half years I need help and well funnily enough he went oh god he goes tell me about it it's a nightmare isn't it oh he was on tinder was he (laughs) if you would like to support the sober awkward podcast we're excited to announce that we've joined patreon patreon is a membership platform which allows you to give back for the content you love by buying sober awkward a cuppa once a month we can keep the giggles coming and continue sharing our sobriety message by joining Patreon, you get access to Sober Awkward merch, extra content, special promos and loads more. Just find the link in the show notes or head to patreon.com and search for Sober Awkward. And together we can learn how to feel the awkward and do it anyway. I'm making it sound like it was easy and fun and it was to a point, but it did all, it was also very, very terrifying. And yeah. Very and triggery hard. as yeah. well. Cause it's, it's <laughs> yeah. that comfort zone thing, isn't it? It's like feel the awkward and do it anyway. It's classic. Yeah. It's like, oh, you've it got to really do it. It's not going to be easy, but the more you do it, the easier it will be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, two weekends ago, I did three dates in one day, two at the same venue would have what? gone on a fourth, but he canceled cause the surf was up. Four <laughs> dates in one day. Don't you remember that guy dumped me when I lived in Sydney? He dumped me because he said, Vic, I can't surf the city beaches. 
We were living in Sydney at yeah. the time. It's like you have to understand if you're dating in yeah. Australia yes. on the coast that the surf will always come before you. Yeah, the surf. <laughs> oh, gosh, it's a sign. Now, at least you know earlier on that they're yeah, always going to choose the waves over I mean, you. Eve, if someone had said that to me at the beginning of my online dating adventure, I would have been really hurt. Yeah. But now I find it really funny. And I funny. will phone up and tell friends or message them, say some guys just cancelled our date because the surf's up. You know what? If I can just make a few mates laugh yeah. about my experiences, then <laughs> yeah. it's been worth it. That's it's how I so see true. it now. Yeah. <laughs> Three dates, four dates nearly in one weekend. Yeah. That is yeah. incredible. <laughs> No second dates. No any second of dates, no. It's still a good experience though. That's what it's all about though, isn't I it? I just do it now without thinking. I will tell you, I don't feel nervous, but wow. I do feel a little bit awkward. Okay. That's okay. Mm. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, it's like me in the live show. It's like anything. The first time you do something, it's going to feel awkward. Yeah. And you just got to keep on doing it. Yeah. And I hate doing it, but I... I'm determined to get good at it and get to the point where you are, where I don't get nervous about standing up in front of people and talking. Yeah, because you don't do it as you don't do four shows in one day, so it's no. a bit different. But I know you always enjoy it. You always love it. You come yeah. off of doing it really pumped up and happy. Yes. So it, it's like you've just got to face it head on and do it, and you just get such a buzz out of achieving something that yeah. you were so scared about. And I think that's what life is about. It is mm. about pushing yourself a little bit, because otherwise life will become very stagnant if you're not going out of your comfort zone. Yeah doing some things that you possibly don't want to do yeah yeah exactly you feel a sense of achievement it's really important oh so i really need to know like <laughs> fuck all the rest what? of the stuff right what what were the men like i'm just going to refer quickly on my birthday lucy came up to stay with me and my mum was there and we were like oh lucy let's have a look at your tinder page and we sat for about two hours with my mum in the middle <laughs> didn't we giggling away like schoolgirls at the pictures because i was absolutely in shock like the guys i thought there'd be quite nice pictures or somebody would have at least advised them on what a woman wants but there were guys some of them were just pictures of motorbikes like no profile picture just the motorbike some were boats most of them were guys holding fish a lot of them were very odd looking weren't they weird angles some with a little bit of a crotch area showing the top of the what's that bit called between the belly button and the penis <laughs> is there a know. name for it i don't know but there was a lot of that wasn't is that there? the biffins bridge <laughs> No, I think that's between your funny and your arsehole. Oh, my God. <laughs> Have you not discovered the that on Biffin's your dates yet? Bridge. I think it's called the Biffin's Bridge. <laughs> Never heard oh of it. Oh, my God, I'm going to have to Google that in a minute. <laughs> I might have just made that up. My husband calls it the Biffin's Bridge. Oh, my no, God. <laughs> She's gone. She's gone to the other side. Oh, no. Let's move along from that. But what I will say is that we laughed all afternoon because some of the people on there were quite questionable, I must say, Lucy. And what happened was we we were in a different area, a more rural area that weekend, weren't we? And the quality of the man seemed to, to go down a little bit, didn't he? Well, it, it, was, changed. it changed. It changed. Well, because I had not been on Tinder long and I didn't realise that with Tinder, it changes depending, it follows your location. Location. So we were, I was probably about about 100 kilometres. Yeah, not home. far, not that far. And so instead of my normal area with the standard surfy guys, which yes. I see all the time, the guys who love the surf because I live, I live by the beach... Um, we were inland, so yes. we were seeing people who, who, who just preferred farmers. more inland yeah, things. Farmers, yeah. <laughs> but, but it's really interesting what you say about um, their pictures and 
they don't take the most flattering pictures of themselves. Not like, because I, my friend James, who I don't know if I mentioned, but he's single yeah. and he's really hot. <laughs> God, James, come on, you're getting a bit, <laughs> bit too much outage here. Um, I went out with him the other night and he actually looked at my profile for me when I very first put it up and gave me some advice. Like, take that picture down. It doesn't look like you, etc., etc. Yeah. And I helped him put his new Tinder profile up. He had one on Bumble and I looked at it and I said, James, those pictures are awful. How yeah. can you think? they're the right ones to put up of you. They don't even look like you. And I went through his photos and I found some much better ones to put up. Mm. Um, but I think they just don't realise. And so you're like looking at these pictures and think, oh my God, look, you know, look, the pickings are so slim here. It's a shame though, because I think you miss out. Like, obviously I'm not in the dating world, so I, don't, I know how fickle it is on these it things is. when I hear you talk about it. And it feels like a shame to have a weird picture and somebody flick past you yeah. based on that. Because, you know there's every chance that that could be the perfect person for you so I don't like that it'd be nicer if it was based on the profile rather than the picture well interestingly once James did I mention James oh yes yeah. <laughs> he's single and he's hot yeah. when, um, when his profile was up and running he started looking at women and he was flicking through at 100 miles an hour left right left right left oh, right oh really and I was saying hold on hold on yeah, look, at the pro- look at the profile read a bit look through the pictures because I do that I give everyone a bit of time um, and um, but apparently people generally don't so you've really got to get that good picture up there I think it's a sort of um, modern affliction that isn't it, it? it's is, like Instagram yeah. and reels and shorts and everything is miniaturized it and we is, do everything yeah. quickly because everyone's in such a hurry which is a shame yeah, I like to give people the time of day because we're all in the same boat on there and yeah. we need to treat people with kindness and respect and if that means just having you know if you think sometimes you look and you think that look is just not the look for me no way no pictures and no profile is going to do that but if there's a possibility I'll click to get a little bit more information look through the rest of the pictures look at the profile and then I'll make the decision yeah yeah but then I am a bit anal with stuff I did have a spreadsheet first Uh, that doesn't surprise me (laughs) I don't have a spreadsheet for anything I need a spreadsheet in my life I need somebody who does spreadsheets for me So, Lucy, most of the people you met were good. Is that right? But you had a few duds too, I should imagine. Yeah, yeah. All up, the people that I met were really nice. I feel that I was I was lucky. But then I treated people with respect. And I think they came back and treated me with respect too. And it is a two-way thing. But tip number, I'm not sure what number we're up to. I think to. you're on three, actually. Yeah. Is that all? Yeah. Oh, I've given others, but I just didn't say tip number before. Well, can you make sure you use the word tip more often, please? <laughs> okay. But yeah, um, and I, we'll go into it a little bit deeper in a minute, but it's just be ready to deal with some people who are quite unkind and can reject you and make you feel quite horrible um, I've just got an example here from just a guy I was chatting to um, I said if he wanted to we could do a video chat because you can do that through Tinder at okay. the weekend yeah. after that we could meet up for coffee the following week which I thought was very reasonable anyway he sent me this have you ever worked out why you're single why should I wait what have you got to offer I'm a millionaire. No, it's not acceptable. Oh, dear, oh That dear. is what he sent to me when I just said I couldn't meet him for a coffee that weekend. It's almost like he's summing you up there. <laughs> oh, there's so much in that yeah. that I want to tear apart. Yeah. So he thinks because he's a millionaire, which of course he is not. No, he, that, wor- he that... works at the local hospital. Oh, did so you? I doubt it. <laughs> when that message hit me, I just 
literally laughed yeah because that was the stage I was at I've had a few things like that happen to me now and I've learned how to deal with them but if that were to happy happen to you early on in your dating adventures when you're sober it can make you feel quite horrible yeah so what course. you've got to decide before you get out there and start dating is can I deal with the dickheads okay and can I deal with them without a drink well exactly because it does happen you have a few dates with someone you might like someone it goes good for a bit you have fantasies about a life with that person and then it can go wrong what happens with sobriety when you feel rejected or heartbroken look this is the main reason I wanted to come on here today um tip number four five four no, four just add three not okay. long ago come on. all right okay I did get my heart broken maybe not heartbroken my heart cracked okay slightly. got a little bit hurt a little hairline bit hurt. fracture okay hairline fracture is not hairline too bad fracture, yeah. but a sober one was very difficult to deal with um Vic actually asked me to come on here about a month ago to talk mm. about online dating and I was too upset by my experience um I couldn't do it I've managed to deal with everything that comes with online dating, like rudeness, rejection, embarrassment, awkwardness. What I wasn't ready for and what I hadn't even thought about was what if somebody hurts me? Gosh, yeah, that's a whole different ball game, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I didn't even consider it. It's like when you have kids, but you don't think they're going to grow up and be teenagers. Yeah, or leave home, ever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just didn't think that far forward. Um, and it did. It happened to me. And I met a guy and I honestly believed that he was the one. It only went on for about three weeks. Just we had a few dates. He didn't feel the same about me. And I felt really blindsided and confused and really hurt and didn't understand what it was about me that he didn't like. And I still don't understand it. I think that's funny how women, or I'm not sure anyone, when they're rejected, they automatically blame themselves. So straight mm. away there, you've gone, what's wrong with me? And perhaps there's nothing wrong with you, Lucy. It just wasn't right. And that's where everything gets confusing and you feel mm. hurt, you're like I'm not good enough. And all these feelings of self-doubt bubble away yeah. with inside you and sort of come to the surface. And that makes you feel like you're so vulnerable yeah. I can't go through this again what it does is it brings up a lot of those feelings ones that you've just mentioned that we used to drink to drown out totally and it's just brought everything back to the surface and the first thing you want to do is reach for a drink and never in my well we say two and a half years but I'm coming up for three years now of sobriety have I wanted to pick up a drink as much as I did then because I yeah. just wanted a temporary relief from feeling like total and utter shit yeah <laughs> and that was scary that it's was a, a wobble it's a yeah, wobble it yeah. was the biggest wobble I've had so far um, and because I just wasn't expecting it I, I wasn't expecting to meet someone who I fell for that quickly I wasn't expecting to be rejected by this person because I really believed that we were getting on really well and when it happened it just knocked me so I guess to anybody listening think forward play the tape forward as Vic would say yeah. um, and you know when we think of online dating we think of tinder we think of swiping right we think of the embarrassment of going on the first date but we don't tend to think about what can happen if we meet someone and yeah. it, it doesn't go as we want it to and we were laughing that day when I was with my mum like we were finding it funny and fun and that's what I think of it I think I'll oh, go online dating it'll be funny but again with you I haven't really thought about it deeply to the point where of course it's like any relationship you can fall for someone and it's not reciprocated and then that leaves you in a different state of mind than yeah. when you went in there and that changes you and it is very very risky to your sobriety it is because you go into it with an open heart it's weird because 
a lot of people who get sober feel like we do. And we talk about going back to being a blank canvas yep. and building ourselves up from scratch. And with that comes a sense of purity and innocence, even though we still got our past hurts and our past heartaches and we remember them all, but we're kind of fresh and we're new. It's almost as if we haven't experienced love before, although we have, but not in this new form that we've created of ourselves. And also we would have drank through the rejection. So yeah. that's the difference, isn't it? We would not have processed it. And what you were put in a position was where you had to process the pain mm. rather than reach for exactly. a drink. And that was difficult. It was almost impossible yeah. um, but by not drinking and dealing with the reality I was able to see it for what it was and I was able to move forward with it I kind of learned a lot from it probably the biggest lesson of sobriety yeah I've learned that if I face it head on however shit it feels I'll come out the other side in the right place and not the wrong place and I can with the right lessons and not the wrong lessons like when you drink through it you don't learn anything you just feel like you're just you're just numbing it out and you're still feeling shit but mm. I feel all right about it now I do feel hurt by it and still a bit confused by it and uh, I put my guard up a little bit more for the next one mm. but he showed you his true colors early mm. on and it's like it's quite good you know he, he he didn't want to be part of that relationship for some reason but at least you found out early and you were able to deal with it I guess it's a bit like grief isn't it the process yes. of, de of grieving someone you have to go through that somewhat when you're dealing with these situations and it is hard and confronting but once you pop out the other end you're like oh right what yeah. next what now exactly yeah, yeah. I and mean, you know he's probably done me a favor sort of finishing it early like you said mm. but that's the risk you take in early sobriety dating can be a bad idea we're not saying don't do it for a year like they do at aa i think that's perhaps a little bit unrealistic but what we are saying is take care of your sobriety first. I'm sorry, Lucy, but I think we have to have a little chat about sober sex. Heartache aside, uh, what was it like? <laughs> You've been desperate to get me to talk about sober sex. Well, I just know you don't want to talk I about mean, it. I, so like... I've managed to get away with it for so long because I haven't had it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so now I know she has. But I have to say, she came round one day with her little eyes sparkling. <laughs> I was like, you've done it, haven't you? You've played hide the sausage with someone on Tinder. I just know it. Yeah, tell look, us about it. Was look, it awkward? No. Okay, that is incredible. I'm amazed to hear that. Why wasn't it awkward? Oh, look, okay, I think my first kiss was more yeah. awkward than, than the first um, first time I had sex. First kiss was sort of in a car park. <laughs> like, it felt like I was a teenager again. Yeah. I, I obviously didn't have sex with a stranger. I got to know someone quite well first. And it was, you know, it was a really nice experience. I'm not going to go too deep into it. So perhaps it's an episode for another day. Okay, excellent. But I will say that it is way better than piss sex. Okay, just because you're more present, you're more authentic, you feel more. Good. And was the Biffins Bridge involved? <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know anything about it at the time. I was completely well, I think oblivious to the Biffins Bridge. I think it's something you may want to introduce on your next date. Tip uh, number fact, six. Yeah, add, it, add it to your profile. <laughs> Where do you live? Biffin's Bridge. <laughs> I've been living vicariously through Lucy's dating stories and I can't believe how far she's come. And yes, she has given me a few good stories on the way. From not leaving her house for days at a time to meeting three strangers in one day. It's quite incredible. For Lucy, online dating is a bit like fishing. A fish is a bonus. It's true, <laughs> isn't it? 
<laughs> I'd love to see Lucy find the perfect partner, but seeing her join society and grapple her biggest fears is enough for now. If you feel, like Lucy did six months ago, that sober dating was an impossibility, know that this could change and that dating could change you. Biggest warning. Mm. Make sure you're ready. Go through the scenarios. Remind yourself what it feels like to be rejected and decide if you can do it without drinking. Remember, you can always delete the app, as I have done once already, and take a break. But don't even try it if you're not feeling strong, confident and ready to deal with having some shit thrown at you. Oh, dear. But shit, some people might like having shit thrown at them. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> might be a thing. Something to do with the Bippin's Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I love the inter- this intellectual podcast. <laughs> oh, when you meet people, be proud of your sobriety. In Lucy's experience, no one really gives a shit whether you're sober or not. If anything, they're relieved to be chatting to a potential partner who doesn't drink. No one wants to date a pisshead and they'll always have a designated driver. Remember that your sobriety is fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Um, learn to recognize the signs of potential partners drinking habits I've always been drawn to drinkers and I still am but I know they're bad for me and if I fell in love with a big drinker I might be inclined to follow suit know your triggers if you're falling in step with a drinker turn and run as fast as you can without looking back find safety in a non-drinker someone who rarely drinks or a person who gives a shit about your sobriety and curbs their own habits. Yeah, such good advice, Lucy. As much as Lucy has been providing her friends and family with hilarious dating stories, I do remember one you told me about you doing the whole date with your flies undone. Oh, yes. (laughs) That was a classic. I know she really wants to meet that special someone. Being on Tinder is hard on anyone. Daily rejection and disappointment, highs and lows and weird people infiltrating carefully stacked sober worlds. My advice to Lucy and to anyone sober dating is just to stay strong, know your worth, remember how far you've come already and do not swipe right on the naked man with a pair of Australian flag budgie smugglers on his head. Which might sound like a joke, but that was on Tinder, yeah. wasn't it? It's actually not a joke, that bit. <laughs> For me, sober dating has made the previous two and a half years of my sobriety journey pale in significance. It is through this level of highly awkward socialising that is everything I believed I couldn't do that I've learned how to be sober and actually partake in society. If you feel you're only living a part life in your sobriety, I urge you to face your fears head on and and overcome them because that is how to truly live sober and not just be sober. So just before we go, Lucy, I just want to find out how many days sober you are now. 977. Oh, I can't believe it. So you're nearly on the thousand days. I know. Oh, do you that's remember, do you yeah. remember you used to always like show off yeah. and make me feel bad that you'd done a thousand and I was on like day two? Yes, yeah, I wasn't about a thousand when you were on day two. <laughs> funny. I'm nearly on 2,000 actually. Oh, yeah. whatever. I've always got one whatever. up on you, haven't I? Talk to the hand. Yeah. <laughs> What's the best thing about sobriety? Sum it up in two words. No hangovers. Oh, of course, yeah. What have you learned about yourself? I can tell you what I've learned about you. I think you are much stronger and much more resilient than you ever knew you were. Yeah, and I'm quite good at texting people on Tinder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah doing well on Tinder. Just the texting part, Because yeah. <laughs> you get funny, witty lines, do you? Yeah, I'm really good with the funny, witty text lines. In person, can't think of a thing to say. <laughs> she is pretty dull, quite honestly. 
We want to give a huge shout out to our lovely Lucy for coming on and sharing all this insider information on the mysterious world of Tinder. I'm very unlikely to ever hit the sober dating scene, Lucy, but if I do, I will be coming to you for some top titties. Yeah, and I'm glad that miserable fuck Alan isn't here nowadays. You did well to get rid of him, Vic. I know. <laughs> God, <laughs> he outstayed his welcome a bit for a while there, didn't he? Whereas Hamish is the pole opposite. He's so friendly, so enjoyed Fatboy Slim with him. Great person to go sober raving with. He was, yeah. <laughs> Although Alan and Hamish would make a nice couple. Oh, yeah, they would, wouldn't they? <laughs> bit chalk and cheese. Oh, yeah. Did you say cheese? I've got some gorgonzola in the fridge. Oh, have you? Oh, actually, bend over. I'll show you where your Biffin's bridge is. <laughs> Oh, thanks for listening, everybody. (laughs) If you're questioning your relationship with booze, you're struggling to moderate, or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time to reach out for some support. Yeah, just talk to a mate about how you're feeling, contact a local doctor, find an AA or sobriety group. Vic's got one. Yeah, just head to www.cuppa.community. Remember, if you're questioning yourself, it might be time to seek support. Even though this journey can be awkward, it is definitely worth it. And if you've enjoyed the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to review it, rate it and share it with your mates. Do they have to share it with their mates? Yeah, of course they do. I'm not doing this for nothing, Hamish. Bloody hell. How do they share it? Hi there. I wanted to tell you about a podcast that I think every single one of you will benefit from. It's called Therapy Works and it's hosted by me, Julia Samuel. I'm a best-selling author and psychotherapist. I invite you into my therapy room where I speak to either a known or unknown guest. Topics range from the difficulties of divorce, a life-changing illness to the struggles of motherhood. Search Therapy Works now wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Music. 
So, as you probably know, my comedy memoir, A Thousand Wasted Sundays, is officially out. All my magnificent fuck-uppery in one awkward hit. If you'd like to get your hands on a copy, it's now available from all good bookstores. We always say all good bookstores, don't we? Yeah. Are, there, are there bad bookstores? There's probably ones with moody, moody what? sellers. Oh, yeah, really yeah. depressed librarian folks. Yes, yes, okay, yes, good, yes. Good. yes. So there are probably some, but we're only storing it in the good ones. It's only made it into the goodies. Yeah. You can also get it from all good online retailers. The print version and ebook are out now, and the audio book will be available in March. I've been writing my memoir for five years. It will make you laugh, cry and cringe and hopefully inspire a few people to reconsider their relationship with booze. If you love the podcast, then I think you'll love the book, even if I do say so myself. Hamish has read it. What did you think? I feel like I know a little bit too much about you now, to be honest, Vic. Look, I really loved it. It was hilarious and surprisingly moving, but I feel like I've seen you naked in a literary sense. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, that's worrying. Yeah. Yeah. From an emotional point of view, seriously, it wobbled my teeny-weeny wooden heart, Vic. Okay. (laughs) My teeny little wooden heart. His his wooden heart is broken. Anyway, so if you do manage to get your filthy mitts on a copy, please do me a favour and head to goodreads.com and give me a review. Doing that will help me get it out there to those that need a bit of sober support. So there you have it. My story, unwanted warts and all. Come and get awkward with me. Not to be too demanding or anything, but seriously, go and buy it Yeah, now. go and buy it. Go and buy it right now. Yeah, don't just tell your friends. Buy it and then buy your friends one or two. Yeah, yeah, don't give them a copy. Yeah. Buy it, yeah. And you know what? Don't be careful where you store it. If you lose it, you can always buy another yeah, five. Yeah, buy another one. Yeah. 